Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is... This is Cruise Radio. How's it going? Thanks for checking out this bonus episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Princess Cruise's Royal Princess, a ship that came out in 2013. Had some slight mod- uh, modifications in dry dock a few months ago, so Vicky's here. I actually recorded this interview with Vicky back in February. It got put to the side, just got edited a couple of weeks ago, I think. So we're going to go ahead and air it today. So Vicky, I apologize for just getting this up. Five months late. Better late than never, though. Don't forget about our Facebook group, Cruise Radio News. Come and kick around the cruise conversation without any further ado. Vicki, welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm great, Doug. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for asking. Now, I'm excited to talk about Royal Princess because I love this ship. Before we get to the ship, take a step back and uh, give us some of your pre-cruise thoughts about Royal Princess. I would have to say it's probably one of our favorite ships uh, in the Princess fleet. We just love everything about it. Things we we miss from other ships, but ideally that's our preferred ship if we can get on that. Remember when that when that ship first came out and there was some mm. some hiccups it had. Did they resolve all that? Yes. In fact, this ship had just been in dry dock in uh, Italy, and then it did transatlantic, and then it did this five day. And I mean, they had to do the dry dock because it's sort of like you know, under warranty, it has to get those normal things done uh, um, mm-hmm. under the hood, I would say. But it did fix a few things. Do you want me to cover some of the things yeah, that, that would, it did? Yeah, that would be awesome, just like in a nutshell Yeah. Us. Well, you know, everybody on Cruise Crew kept complaining about that there's no midship staircase on the ship, as well as the Regal doesn't have a midship. Now, it does have a midship staircase, but it was for crew only. And they did convert that in dry dock to a public uh, stairway. So that quite nice and, and it's very handy if you're like on deck eight or nine midship you could now run down those stairs to get a coffee where before you had to wait for an elevator it really wasn't an option unless you went forward or aft the other thing they fixed um was in the princess theater the only way to feed in and out of it was through the aisles in the middle other ships have aisles on the sides of the theater where people could walk up and down steps so the flow was a lot better. Another thing they put in was um, a stairway at the back. So on Lido deck, if you've ever been out there, there's a great bar called the Outrigger Bar, and there's some seating. Um, There was no way for people to move from that deck up to the sun deck, which was a smoking area. And so they put in a staircase outside there. Those are pretty much the only major visible changes that the public would really notice. And then they, you know, spiffed it up with carpeting, new LCD screens throughout, um, you know, some more behind-the-scenes electronic stuff with TVs and so forth. You know, it, it makes you wonder, like, they're, they're doing all these renovations and enhancements. To, like, it makes you wonder, did they ever think when they were building the ship, why didn't we do that, you know? I know. You would think when they did the Grand Class, the Grand Princess doesn't have a midship staircase either. And uh, all these ships after the Grand Class, the Golden and so forth, they put in the midship staircase. So you'd think they would have learned from that. (laughs) Yes. Very cool. Well, you live in Vancouver. You had to fly down to Florida to Port Everglades. So how was the embarkation process for you? Embarkation was a little unique this trip because the ship had just come from Europe a whole season over in the Med. It has some unique things. It had to go through customs. All the crew had to get off the ship and clear customs that day, as well as the ship went through some extra special things with um, 
Coast Guard and other paperwork that they had to do. So it was a little unique. Now, we were actually in transit this day. We had been on the crossing, so it was a little bit easier for us. But when we looked outside and we could see the long queues of all the crew, we knew right away clearing customs for the people getting off the ship as well as people getting on the ship was going to be a little hairy. We had to get off clear through U.S. Customs, um, and then get back on the ship. And it took probably the longest I've ever experienced. But again, that has nothing to do with Princess. That was, you know, to do with um, Customs mainly and Coast Guard. They had to go through all their drills. For passengers getting on, some had no issues at all because they had priority embarkation. And a lot of people said they had to go into the terminal that's right beside Terminal 2 and think it's Terminal 1, I'm not sure. Then they had to snake into Terminal 2 and then get on the ship. So I heard horror stories as much as two hours, and then I heard some people said it took them a half an hour. Okay, so uh, you make your way to your stateroom once you get back on board the ship. So what kind of Mm -hmm. stateroom did you have, and what did you think of it? We had a balcony cabin on Aloha deck, and uh, I really love that location. It was Aloha forward, and, you know, they're their cabins pretty much are all the same fleet wide, but um, it was really, really well appointed. It had gotten a little bit of freshening up and they had um, not new TVs, but they had updated the uh, system. So things seemed to run a little bit smoother. Loading was a lot faster. I know if you've seen their TVs, they have on-demand TV and um, movies and TV shows and all kinds of stuff. So that was really nice. But it was a great cabin, Doug. We've been talking in the past few weeks about balcony sizes when people are doing a review and talk about them having a balcony cabin. Uh, What are your thoughts on the balcony size on the Royal Princess? Well, I do caution people that, yes, this balcony cabin is probably the smallest I've, you know, I've seen on on any ship. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for two people... It's more than enough. And if I have to choose between having more cabin space or more public space, I would choose those options over a balcony. So you easily could put two chairs out. There's only two of us in the cabin. We had more than enough space. And I always advise people, if you're more than two people in a cabin, you probably want to go for a bigger cabin, which normally in turn would result in a bigger balcony. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about dining aboard Royal Princess, of course. So many dining options. We'll start at the top. I, I love the buffet on these Royal Class ships, just the mm. flow and the design and the little uh, dessert area right in the middle there. So talk to us oh. about the buffet dining, and we'll kind of go down to the main dining room from there. Yeah, you are so right, Doug. The Horizon Court on this ship is is one of the reasons we love this ship. And there's always something to eat. And I laugh when, uh, when I see people get on because they'll say, well, there's not much choice because they're only sticking to maybe that bistro area where they have soups and salads and, you know, munchies and stuff. If you go a little bit further aft, you're going to find another row of foods, which is usually more North America style, you know, chicken, beef, pork. And then if you go to the aft line, usually they'll have a theme. They'll have some kind of dinner theme, Italian, Mexican, Brazilian, even lovely uh, Vietnamese food or something. My favorite has to be the German buffet. Mm -hmm. Is that like one day they'll do German or is it a daily thing? Daily, they'll change the theme. And I think if I would suggest anything to Princess, and some ships do do it, is to state in the Princess Patter, which is their newsletter they put in your cabin, exactly what the theme is each night. Mm Because there's sometimes I'd rather go to the buffet than the dining room. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Speaking of the dining room, what time dining did you have? We 
are firm believers in anytime dining, um, mainly because we don't like to be stuck to a specific schedule. We don't even usually like to have a standing reservation or anything. We kind of like to really go with the flow. For me, cruising's all about doing what I want to do when I want to do it. So anytime was perfect for us. There's four anytime dining rooms or four anytime entrances, I should say, because there's two big dining rooms and they're divided in half. And so you would go to a specific uh, entrance on deck five or deck six. And so you would show up. There was, you know, usually for us, when we dine about seven thirty, eight o'clock ish, there was really not much of a line, but this ship demographic had a lot of first time cruisers. It was a lot younger. So we were noticing that it was a little bit busier than say when we do the transatlantic where it's an older demographic if we had to wait we didn't have to wait very long but on the royal and the regal at least there are so many tables for two that we usually had no problem getting a table for two if that's what we wanted and sometimes if we had to wait five minutes or ten minutes we would just go back into vines which is their wine bar and have a glass of wine but it's all about going with the flow accepting what comes and sometimes it meant we had dinner just because of, you know, chatting with friends, we would have dinner in the, the International Cafe. We'd go get some snack food, have some wine. And all of a sudden, you know, it's 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Did you get to do the Crown Grill on this sailing? Yes. In fact, we did it the first uh, first formal night. So it was the second day, sea day. Uh, we booked the Crown Grill. And again, this ship does the Crown Grill right. Excellent service. Lots of staff to attend to all your needs. Friendly as all can be. And it was fabulous. In fact, we did both Crown Grill and Sabatini's on this five-day sailings. And Sabatini's, again, is, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of ships are converting it over to share mm-hmm. um, Curtis Stone restaurant. But this ship still has Sabatini's. It's a beautiful venue right on deck five just off the piazza. Fabulous meal. And make sure you ask if you're there, if they have a special item each night, because uh, we had that that night and it was a wonderful veal dish that was, you know, fabulous. You also have the pizzeria, the International Cafe, Mm. um, Alfredo's. Is there a surcharge Uh for Alfredo's? No, no. That is one thing that they tried to implement when they first brought it out, but yeah. so far they haven't. And and I'm quite glad. I think it's lovely to have another venue for people to go to. Um, it's right there off the piazza, so you can sit there, you can hear the entertainment, usually what's happening around. It's a great venue as well. What did you think about the entertainment on this sailing? For a five-day sailing, it was phenomenal. It was top-notch. They had two production shows. They had lots of guest entertainers on board, comedians, magicians. It was nonstop. You certainly would not get bored. In fact, you probably wouldn't be able to see it all. Cool. Now, uh, this was a five-night sailing, and you did a Western Caribbean. So what ports did you hit? We stopped in uh, Costa Maya, and then the next day was Cozumel. And then was that two sea days? Two sea days, two port days, and then the embarkation, disembarkation, yeah. And how was the ship uh, when you were at sea as far as the passenger flow, both inside and outside of the ship, and the dining venues and all of that? You know, nothing defines a cruise better than how it is at sea days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) I had to put that in. (laughs) Sorry, Doug, I just had to. (laughs) 
Well, on sea days, I usually don't like huge crowds, but on sea days, it was it was fine. Yeah, sure. If you want to get around a pool and have the lounge chair right beside the pool, you might have to stake out a location. But we didn't usually have too much trouble. We uh, spent a lot of time up in the retreat pool area. That's four. That's an adults only. The weather was a little bit, um, well, windy, a little bit stormy, but, you know, it was still sunny. We were up there. I think both sea days we went up there and we didn't have a problem getting a lounge chair. Um, Of course, you had the chair hogs, but they were pretty good at removing items if they were left there for a long period of time. But it really wasn't a hot sea day, so I don't really know how it would have been. But inside, you know, yes, the atrium area is quite busy, um, but there was no problem finding a quiet little area or a lounge chair or a couch area somewhere just to sit and read if that's what you want to do. Very cool. Uh, as far as I know, Princess has the, the private adult-only areas. Do a lot of people mm-hmm. utilize those on the ship, like the sanctuary and what's the other one called? Well, it's the retreat The retreat, pool. yeah. The sanctuary is forward up on the top sun deck there, and it's it's a wonderful venue. Um, there's a, I think it's $40 for the entire day, $20 for half days. We didn't partake in it this cruise, mainly because it was only five days, but it sells out uh, usually on embarkation day, and they will reserve a few lounge chairs to sell on the days. But um, so we didn't we didn't partake in that. Now the retreat pool is adults only, and it was rather busy. There were quite a few children on this cruise, being a five day. So the main pool was really where it was a little bit crowded. But you know the, there were certainly areas that were adults only that were quite nice to sit in if you wanted to. So you went to Cozumel and Costa Maya. Which port was mm-hmm. your favorite? I never can say. Uh, I love them both. I love Mexico. I was really excited to go back to Costa Maya. I hadn't been back there since 2006, I think it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. So since that time, they had had that major mm-hmm. hurricane in 2007. So I was very curious to see what it looked like now. And I was blown away. Yeah. They've done a great job over there. So uh, you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was disembarkation for you? Very, very smooth. Because we had done the transatlantic, there was no way we were going to do walk-off. We each had a bag and a roller bag as well. So we had the, one of the first disembarkation colors. We were, you know, we were told to meet at 8.20. We met at 8.20. We were off at 8.25. We had quit. We have um, our global entry nexus, and it was one of the first cruises that they started um, allowing people to go through on that. There was maybe one person in front of us. We were curbside jumping in a taxi by probably 835 oh, wow. 10 minutes to clear yeah That's no fast. trouble at all and um, we didn't have a flight till like noon so we actually had to sit in the airport for a little while uh, until we could even check in our bags so you know it worked out really smooth but you know if we would have been getting off after our transatlantic where it was really really long we wouldn't have been at our airport for quite a while so I still advise people don't book a flight before noon you just never know what could happen did you know Notice if Princess still does the baggage forwarding service where it takes your bag to the airport and checks them in for you? Yes, Princess still does do it. They didn't do it on this five-day because they do require, usually it's like four or five days advance notice Mm -hmm. because they have to get in touch with the airline and then confirm and all that. So it wasn't offered on this sailing. But if you don't get uh, the form in your cabin, say, by day two, I would pop down at the purser just see if they're offering it. Sometimes they don't, but normally they do. Is that something that you usually take advantage of? 
We certainly have in the yeah. past. Often we'll book a flight around 2 p.m. ish, and we don't really want to be lugging our bags. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do is we'll just send the bags off ahead of time, and um, you know make our way down to 17th Street or something in Fort Lauderdale, have a you know leisurely morning, and then grab a taxi to the airport. And what's wonderful about that option is, although you do pay for your bags that you would be checking in just like at any airline, and then there's the fee that Princess would charge. They don't um, charge you overweight fees. So although we don't usually go overweight in our bags, if you happen to have a bag that's probably going to be more than 50, sending it this way is going to not be weighed and you're not going to have to pay the (laughs) overweight fees. So weigh it out. Uh-huh, that um, maybe it's a better option just to do this uh, service. We'll transition now to any first-time tips. That was definitely a good tip that you just gave us. But do you have any uh, other tips you can provide for a royal princess? Well, with the Royal Princess, I think the key is is to remember with dining, uh, especially, and I, you know, I'm a, a huge fan of anytime dining. It's not meant that you're supposed to show up there and just be sat right away. It's it's a go with the flow. It really depends on the demographics. So if you're one of those people that wants to eat, say around. 6.30, you might want to either move it up a little bit or wait a little bit longer because that dining room opens up at 5, 5.30. Mm-hmm. It fills up, so it's going to be an hour, an hour and a half. So around 7 or 7.30 is when they're going to have sort of like the second wave that they could be seating people. So just go with that attitude of positive feeling of just, you know, I'll eat when it's available or look at other options for eating as well. And then the other key I would say is again, with entertainment, it's not like it used to be where it would be like first seating, go to the show, second seating, go to the show. It's meant to be maybe go to the show before dinner, you know, go have a drink of wine at six o'clock and vines, go to the seven o'clock show. Then after the show at eight o'clock, go for dinner. So change your mindset, go more with the flow. You're on vacation. Enjoy yourself. And final thoughts of Royal Princess. Well, I'm very impressed with everything that uh, they did in dry dock. And I have to say that the crew are really what makes this ship. They were extremely um, exhausted from that transatlantic with all the demands. And they always had a smile on their face and they were always ready to answer questions and help each other. And again, you know, it's just, again, go with the flow. You're on vacation. If your TV's not working, make sure you report it. But hey, it's only your TV. So just have fun. You're making me want to book a cruise like after this interview. Seriously. Oh, that's great. That's what <laughs> I really try are. to say to people. You know, it, it can be an amazing time, but, you know, you wouldn't show up at a restaurant here at home at 730, and if they couldn't seat you right away, get angry. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. So you should be treating a cruise sort of similar. Things happen. The ship's at sea for 365 days a year. Things break down. Go with the flow. I mean, of course, if it's something drastic that you really, you know, and it's not going the right way, make sure you have it dealt with. But, you know, report it. They're there to make sure you have a great time. So, yeah, Doug, go out and book one. There you go. We've been talking with Vicki Bone from Cruising Princess Cruise Line with Vicki. Did I get that right? You did. Awesome. Doug, I have a, I have a website now. Oh, what is that? Vicky, V-I-C-K-I-E, cruises.com. Whoa, you dropped the blog spot, huh? 
I still have my blog, but I wanted to have a central location where people could go and find everything. So on the page, you'll be able to find blogs, uh, links to blogs on specific cruises. You can find videos and you can find all of my articles that I've written in one spot, as well as learning um, about my upcoming trips. And now I'm starting to develop um, port-specific uh, destinations um, pages for that. So check it out. Vicky cruises.com. VickyCruises.com will also link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Vicky, great talking to you as always. Have a good one. Oh, same to you, Doug. Take care. I always enjoy talking with Vicky because she has her finger on the pulse of all things princess. Nothing passes her by. I mean, nothing. So uh, thanks for that chat, Vicky. Also, a big thank you to you, the listener, because I had over 100 emails over the past few days about the panel we did on the show last week about uh, the loyalty programs on the cruise line. So it uh, looks like we'll keep the panel up. We'll keep uh, changing things up. Don't want things getting too stale around the radio ranch. So with that said, thanks again for being here. Have a happy fourth, and we'll talk on Thursday. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.